Welcome to the Legislate podcast, a place to learn about the latest insights and trends in property, technology, business building and contract drafting. Today, I'm excited to welcome James Watson to the show. James is the co-founder and CEO of PennyBooks, the smarter accounting solution for growing businesses. James, thank you for taking the time. Would you like to please share a bit of background about yourself and PennyBooks? Thanks very much. Um, yeah, thanks for having me on, Charles. So yeah, we set PennyBooks up probably about two and a half years ago. Myself, my business partner, Brendan, we're both kind of big four trained accountants. Yeah, we spent six or seven years at big four firms. We then, we did various roles in industry after that. We got fed up with big corporate hierarchies, wanted to do our own thing and thought that the kind of the SME accounting space looked like a good uh, a good thing that we could get into and kind of position a good a good workable service that actually gave these small businesses an attractive product and a very process driven product and essentially what we think they need so that, that's how it all came about yeah we've we've grown quite nicely in that two and a half years we're i think we're, we're now we're now quite happy with the product that we we provide you know we've got a good sort of growth of clients and yeah i think we're we're in a nice position now great and in those two and a half years, what's been your favorite moment? Favorite moment? I would say actually when we first moved into this, the shared office that we're in now, we I guess we started it, we, we started it, then we went into COVID, everyone was working from home. I think we were well and truly fed up with working from home at, at the end of it. And we actually, we really like the office. It's great. We've, it's a nice environment. It's actually been quite good for us in terms of picking up a few clients because it's just for startups like ourselves. So I think that was a real positive step forward. Yeah, I, we were also fortunate enough to be able to be in, be in an office post-lockdown and, and it, it does make a difference. And as you said, especially as a startup meeting and other, other startups can lead to clients. So great. And what do you wish you had known before starting PennyBooks? Good question. Good question. I think the, it's funny because we're accountants and this is basically the story that we trot out to everyone all day long, but just how important cash flow is when you're a startup. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I guess you, you live and die by it. And it's, you know, I think it's good. It's good that we are a startup and we've, we've grown with the, the growing pains of being a startup and we've seen firsthand how important it is to get your cash flow. For us, it almost makes it more important when we're preaching it to our clients because We've, we've been through the same experience. So yeah, I think respecting your cash flow and they planning, planning that properly and making sensible decisions around that. Great. And, and what tips would you give to an entrepreneur to better manage their cash flow? I think actually you can do a hand quite simple things and improve it quite quickly. Actually having some proper processes around your invoicing is important. Invoicing on time, chasing your invoices. I know it all sounds like quite simple, boring stuff. If you send your invoices out late and you never chase them and people never pay you, then that's the root problem right at the beginning. I think everyone should be putting together a simple cash flow forecast. You don't need to be, it doesn't need to be a complicated accounting model. It can just be a very simple, you can do it yourself. You don't need an accountant to help you map out your cash flow for the next month, the next three months, the next six months. Um, it's just, and, and keep it updated. That's a good skill to have. I think, just, and just being realistic as well. There's no point being, you need to, you need to create the worst case scenario and almost plan to that. There's no point being too optimistic when you're cash flow forecasting, because again, you can, you know, that, that, there are always going to be a few bumps and a few surprises along the way. So it's best to try and factor them in. I think uh, planning for the worst is a very good piece of advice, especially for yeah. uh, entrepreneurs not generating any revenue. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you've been at it for two and a half years. You've built a team, got customers. Uh, what's the vision for the next, you know, three, five years? Yeah, we're basically trying to scale it as quickly, but as responsibly as we can. 
And I think we're, there's lots of, there's lots of small businesses starting in London and then actually most of our services online. So we can, we can take on a new client anywhere, but there's plenty of small businesses out there. I think where our competitors and you know, our competitors who might be a few years ahead of us, where they tend to fall down is the client service kind of levels go down and they slide and they bring on too many clients and yeah, the client service kind of goes out the window. So we're pretty conscious that we we need to keep those standards high. But our, our big target is getting to, we say internally, we're trying to get to 1500 clients. We'd like to be there in three to four years, but we'd like to still have the same standards of product and service that we're offering at the moment. So that's our that's our internal challenge. How do we get there? A, how do we get the, get all those new clients on board? But B, how do we how do we grow the team and how do we we, we keep the same level that we're providing now? Yeah, no, I think um, scaling quickly and responsibly is is really important, especially when um, you know we legislate we're we're in a similar position where we offer contracts, and although we we don't provide legal advice, we we are a duty of care, and you can only really do that if you grow responsibly. And and I imagine it's the same in accounting. Yeah, you can't get your books wrong. And as a CEO uh, of a company, what are the key contracts that you interact with? I'd say for us, probably the biggest one is with Zero. So we're a Zero, and, and Zero is the cloud-based accounting software that we use with all of our clients. Um, we're a Zero partner, so we've pretty much got a Zero license set up for all of our clients. So that's our. If you look at our P&L, that's our big. It's probably our biggest kind of contractual payment that we make. There, there's a few other big. There's a few other kind of key bits of software that we use where we we have a pretty high annual cost. And then it's probably down to other bits of software. And then it's typical operating expense type expenses that we'll have contractual agreements around rent and things. And with those contracts, maybe less so with zero, but with those operator operating expense contracts, as you mentioned, rent or I imagine also employment. Are there any areas of friction that you've encountered and, and how did you overcome them when negotiating those contracts? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say one, and this is a good lesson for any, any company, I'd say one, my business partner initially had a one person office in, in the old office space that we were in. He thought he'd agreed, he thought he'd agreed and signed up for, you know, a monthly rolling contract, but he'd actually signed himself up for a 12 month contract. So we had kind of an additional seven months of that that we, that we didn't want to. We, I guess we tried to negotiate our way out of that. We tried pretty hard and didn't really get anywhere. Um, so that's, you know, again, from us, from a cash flow perspective, that's probably given us the most friction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's funny. I don't think we've, I can't think of many other areas where we've had sort of contractual issues that i can think of we've been lucky with employees so far we haven't faced any problems there i've touched wood i'm sure there's plenty of time but i'd say uh, i think that that office rent one taught us quite a good lesson we're now pretty um we're pretty careful when we do sign up for we do sign a new contract i guess uh read the fine print but it, it would be better if contracts didn't hide this type of information yeah no i agree i'm conscious uh, james that I've already taken a lot of your time so i'm going to ask you the closing question we ask our guests if you're being sent a contract to sign today, what would impress you? I think it's it's got to be it's got to give me the option to sign it digitally. I know most most luckily I think most people are sending you stuff. It does now, but I've got a few, I got someone did send me something a couple of weeks ago and asked me to print it out and sign it, and I don't think I've done it yet. <laughs> it's that's that just adds friction. I think something that's got all the you know something that's not it's not too long. 
it's not too long for the sake of being too long. I guess it gets all the points across succinctly in a nice summary. I, I know, you know, some contracts need to be long, but yeah, that would impress me. And something that, you know, something that I can understand. I don't want to have to, ideally, I don't want to have to go away and, uh, you know, talk to a talk to some someone else to try and get my head around a contract that's positioned at me. That's um, a great answer. And it sounds like you've pretty much described legislate in the sense that we definitely try to keep well our agreements in plain English so that they can be understood by a tenant, a landlord or anyone. They don't need a background in, in contracts to, to understand. And the second thing that we do is we break down the contract as a set of questions and answers, which everyone looking at the contract can read so that they also then understand, you know, what are the key terms behind this agreement so that they don't need to necessarily scroll through the whole agreement to understand exactly what they can or can't do. So, yeah. So thank you very much, James, for um, taking the time. Best of luck uh, getting to your 1,500 clients. And, uh, and yeah, hopefully we can have you on the show again when you're there. Yeah, perfect. Thanks, for, thanks very much, Charles. Appreciate thank it. Thank you, James. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye.